You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Welcome to the Pixels and Ink Podcast, episode 273, brought to you by CG Magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Mior, and today we have uh, quite the boatload of CGM podcasters. We've got Brendan Fry. Hello, hello, hello. We've got Jordan Biorti joining us today. You are far more excited than any host has ever been on this podcast. I don't know how to feel about it. You should feel <laughs> as excited. Join my levels. You got to match me. No. And Phil Brown. Yay. Hey. So how are you guys doing today? I'm okay. Yeah, I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Yeah. Enjoying this lovely cold weather? It's cold. As someone who was just working outside in it, uh, not so much. No, it's not, not fun. Wasn't so let's talk about other not fun things. Uh, there's a lot of talk about EA and Battlefront 2 right Ooh. now. Uh, now phil you know what's going on right because we were talking a bit earlier and you're like not sure no no, i know but why don't you just okay. go ahead and tell me again well, i'll go ahead and tell you again <laughs> i know but i just just so i know you <laughs> know go ahead and tell me <laughs> okay so um battlefront 2 uh as it's coming out uh tomorrow i believe or mm-hmm. that would be today uh has uh, instituted quite the uh, microtransaction dilemma. So essentially, um, there everything that you want to get out of the game and playable things and uh, playable options and areas are going to cost you an in-game price to play. Uh, and so obviously the community did not like that. Uh, and with a heavy emphasis on loot boxes and the fact that the communities are starting to really not like the loot box aspect of any kind of gameplay... Uh, the internet became very vocal. So earlier this week, EA decided to comment on that on a Reddit thread. That was that's the thread saying, "Seriously, I paid eighty dollars to have to to have to uh, unlock Vader." And well, let's, uh, the, let's, let's be like super clear here. It's not just like loot box stuff. That's just like you know, no, it's just this and that little like, knickknack in the game. These are like loot boxes that specifically affect player in like. Um, progression so it's like there are there are pay to win mechanics within the multiplayer that are exactly. tied to a glorified gambling system yeah and, so uh, and one also of the bigger... like you have to pay for like the iconic characters that they're selling the game with which exactly is yeah. very cool uh and there's in one of the arcade modes they actually cap the amount of gameplay you can do in a day so you can only get a certain number of credits and then you have to wait uh uh, basically a, a day to get more of those to be able to have a chance to get more credits back that way so ea commented on this uh thread and uh the thing that particularly struck the internet in a the way that the internet likes to be struck was uh the intent is to provide the players with a sense of pride and accomplishment for unlocking the different heroes and they said they selected costs according to the open beta and other adjustments and user feedback and the internet did not have that so yesterday, um, which would have been Wednesday, the uh, uh, d- uh, Reddit decided to have an AMA with EA, in which the devs were answering questions. So they kept the like the people on Reddit generally kept it pretty civil, you know, bringing up real I- these issues that everyone was having, and uh, EA essentially just 
kept dominating with a very PR, no non-answer speech. That well, just said, were yeah, really we're answering work on it. the softball questions too. Like they weren't really tackling yeah. a lot of the hard questions people were asking. Exactly. Do you want to go into that a little more? Um, not particularly because I wasn't like hyper following the the AMA. I just caught some of the highlights of it and. It's you're I mean, you're 100 percent right. People were bringing up legitimate problems and rather than actually like addressing them and like saying, you know, trying to trying to do right by anybody, they were just kind of like doing the same PR thing that everyone does when, you know, when these kind of questions come up, they just, you know, tried to justify what they did. And tried to talk about how they didn't do anything really wrong. But if they did something that you didn't like, then they'll maybe they'll fix it in the future. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so they they didn't really like they exactly it. They they were just they were acknowledging without acknowledging, which was kind of interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, they they yeah that was so so that's a big problem. And as a result, right now, um, Battlefront Two has a user rating of zero point nine. That's impressive. In, on that Metacritic, is impressive. Yeah. Yeah, but it's got a critic rating of like 7.2 on open critics. So it's really like that problem oh, that it's, you know, well, it's never it's, you know, the, the it's it's a AAA game. It's going to get AAA scores. I mean, like it's really and and a lot of those scores are actually like pretty positive. Like there there are a lot more like 8s and 9s than there are like, you know, 6s and 5s. No, there's and, actually only one lower. 9 on Metacritic. There's actually okay. only one nine on Metacritic. The highest it gets to, there's about a couple eights. The rest are pretty much in the solid six and seven area. Okay, actually, it's, it's gone down to seven. It's, it's it's sitting at a seventy on Open Critic. So like, you know, there, yeah. yeah, there's quite a few. A lot of oof, yush, eighteen uh, eighteen reviews, sixty five or lower. So okay, so people are people are still speaking out. But again, like that's an average thing, and I don't know. I feel like you know the fact that you're gonna get you know reviews from like like good or is it this is uh is this cog yeah like cog and other things that like you know the fact that they have these high scores just gives ea the ability to like pull the the quotes and you know when they when they inevitably roll out their you know christmas commercial best game ever it was great like okay yeah but like no one's gonna you know Way more, way more critics were talking about uh, how crappy your economy was. No kidding. But if you look, know. if you look at the different uh, sparse of reviews, it's a lot of the third tier sites giving it big scores. Then you get down to Games Radar is the first major site, and that is an eight. And then it goes. Uh, PlayStation Lifestyle gave it a seven. EGM gave it a seven. Digital Trends gave it a seven. Shaq News gave it a six. And then you have Games Beat and a few other things that are still giving it a review in progress type thing. Yeah, even IGN is still doing their review in progress. Even Polygon. Yeah. yeah. The Verge, Waypoint. So the, well, it, Polygon, Polygon's got a written review, but there's no score attached to it. Yeah. Yeah, which there's may, a lot of... Which may be part of the progress. point, I'm thinking. Yeah. It, it, it seems right now that it's a kind of a... You have a lot of smaller sites giving it big scores and you have a lot of the bigger names giving sevens and sixes so it's it's a mix correct, correct yeah. me if i'm wrong though but hasn't ea already like tried to make adjustments to this to 
They did before release, but even then, this is with the new economy. Before, it was even worse. Yeah. So all of this user feedback that's happening right now has happened in the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. Like uh, uh, um, the fact that – but again, this is just going to the whole backlash of the community. I guess that was coming out – it really started to heighten around the time of Shadow of War. Mm -hmm release and the loot box interactions with that oh to be fair and the, the loot boxes the- to that were way overinflated. like it wasn't as bad as people said it's yeah. just what people thought it was but the fact that the the community is starting to really i mean better late than never in yeah, my opinion honest exactly, opinion yeah. but the fact that their community is really starting to rally around the fact that we are paying full triple a prices for these games and then we're going to have to pay additional content mm-hmm. to unlock other things including you know actual things we want to play in the game like darth yeah. vader for example that's um, a problem it's becoming quite a problem. No, I mean, you were talking like, something. I mean, it's nice that people are are speaking out, but like, 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 like Grand Theft Auto Online has made how much? Like, we we we, yeah. we let this yeah. happen. Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's not going no. to stop. Oh, I'm and willing... let's not even get started on the mobile titles. Yeah. Like, this is a this is a free to play system that has been in uh like uh like I think I've mentioned this earlier. Like in the Asian free to play mobile model for almost a decade before it came over here. But, but the thing is, those are free-to-play games. These no, exactly. But it's becoming a model that people are seeing and yeah. playing and making money off of. So why wouldn't these companies say, hey, that works for them? Why can't we make it work for us? And They're if, buying the game well, anyway. And if, we hadn't been, and if people weren't buying loot boxes, they couldn't keep making them, like, you know. But I mean, here's well, the look thing. at what Overwatch but is doing. That's exactly the problem. Yeah. No, it's that, cosmetic. It's like, it's like you know, it's it's a manipulation tactic and you're kind of like, you know, guilting people for being manipulated. Like that's exactly how it works is that it creates mm-hmm. this this sense of of like, you know, that's something I want. And rather than yeah. just being able to get it, it's like it's it's a gambling system. You have to roll that slot and hope you get it. And that's like just by its very nature people will do that because they want mm. the thing and they're going to they're, they're willing to take the chance on it because they're being manipulated. But here's the thing. If we're talking about a free to play game, like I find it less odious in oh, Let absolutely. It Die. I'll, Let It Die I'll, is a free to play game that has AAA quality, but if you want to get like that revive or all that stuff you pay for it. I'm okay with that because you're not paying for the game. Exactly. When you're paying for the game, and you're paying 80, 60, 70, 80 dollars for these games, you shouldn't be expected to pay another few hundred just to get the content that's on the disc. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree. I'm not defending that. I'm just saying that, like, 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 we we opted into this place. Like, it's great that people are finally speaking out, but like, maybe we should consider consider doing that when it started. Like, it was easy. Absolutely, to see this. easy to see this coming a mile away. And sure, what like EA is doing is egregious and and re- like really taking advantage of the system but the whole system's manipulated and, and like there and we, and we buy into it not and you know i'm no different i was more than happy to buy leatherface and mortal Kombat or what have you mm-hmm. if the ideas are good enough i'll jump in but like you know this but really should, it should have been it this should should be something that you know we fought against from the very beginning to complain now oh i, I agree a huge difference I mean, people still vote with their wallets. If this game sells less than the first game, there's going to be a backlash and people will start acting. Well, actually, people have started returning it on Origin. Yeah. So what do you guys think about that point? There's people who have been playing it for, I think, like between six and seven hours. They're allowed to play up to – they're allowed to have it for 24 hours. Okay. And I don't think it – 
And so I, obviously a, a max cap of 24 hours of gameplay. I know. I think it is like and eight, then they can return hours. it. It's eight, eight, it's, I think it's eight to ten hours of gameplay. To it's be, ten hours. Of I, think it's I know on Steam uh, it's two hours of gameplay. Yeah. It's something weird. But Origin, on Origin is a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, honestly, if the if the microtransactions are causing a problem with actual gameplay, I would have a problem. They are cosmetic stuff, and they are like ex, uh, extra characters and stuff like that. So you're going in. You experience the game enough, so one to two hours, I think, is fair to return. After six to seven hours, you've experienced a full-length game at that point. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not an EA side here, but you have to have a limit to how long you can return games, and you have to put a a, a, a limit on people paying with uh, deciding with their wallets of not buying the game or pl- finding out these things happen and, and returning it immediately. When you're playing a full day's worth of gameplay and then returning it, that's a problem for me. I don't know. I, I I think it's I think it's iffy because this is like kind of what goes back to the whole like No Man's Sky debate that people were playing it for like, you know, six to 12 hours. And, you know, people kind of rolled up the same argument like, oh, you played it that long. How didn't you know you didn't like it? It's like it, you're, you're not going to be able to like put an amount like a like a, you know, a value on someone's like ex- timed experience with a game. If it, it might take someone yeah. two hours to figure out that this is BS and it might take someone yeah. six hours. So I realistically, like, I think, I think personally, like 24 hours, like that's, that's fine. That's ideal. That's a day. Like okay. that's, that's, that's solid. Yeah, I mean, for Battlefront 2, um, like it is, and EA has even like come out to say that there is an extensive amount of gameplay available to you between the story mode and the online multiplayer content and things like that. Um, if you were supposed to play it without actually paying any and getting currency, yeah. somebody calculated it would take you six years to accumulate enough credits to unlock everything. That's a long so, time. So, regardless of the fact, like whether you're paying or not, there's still going to be a lot of gameplay. So, yeah. I, I'm I'm kind of with you on the, or, the 24 or hours for a game like this. People who who did the math and kind of said it could take anywhere up to like 40 hours to unlock Darth Vader. So, if you're just some kid yeah. who's playing this game, thinking, "Yeah, like I'm gonna, you know, I just gonna have to keep playing and I can, I'm gonna see Darth Vader at some point." And you're yeah, not yeah. buying into the microtransactions, like it's 40 hours later, and you realize you still haven't got Darth Vader. You're like, and you feel ripped off. Yeah, exactly. So, well, the other thing is that, like, if I I mean, like, like this is all great that people have come up with systems to try and express their distaste with their wallet. But the bottom line is, this is a Star Wars game. It's going to primarily appeal to children who's oh, 100 percent everything, and that that they don't care. And like, like the the amount of like angry gamers that are going to like just you know return the game or refuse to play it out of principle is not going hmm. to have enough of an effect on the bottom line or just how it is yeah like if a kid gets it yeah. on christmas and can't play star wars and they cry long enough they're gonna get their later you know what i mean if there are kids children yeah. listening out there do not take that advice but <laughs> it, it, it is a system that works exactly it's true no and, and just going back to what you said earlier phil you're absolutely right it's all like too little too late at this point mm-hmm. because we did vote with our wallets. We've kind of bought into the system. I mean, we as a general co- yeah, yeah. populace. The royal we, yeah. I mean, I personally don't buy in, mm-hmm. any in-game things. But well, I'll buy, I'll, like Phil said, I'll I've buy something <laughs> when it's like when it's worthwhile. Like like yeah. an extra character in something like Mortal Kombat. Like yeah, like I paid money for Jason Voorhees or uh, not. Uh, sorry for um for Freddy in the in like the the all the other Mortal Kombat thing. Like if it's worthwhile, like microtransactions, like in their you know sort of larval state aren't like bad conceptually like if someone rolls out some extra content and they want maybe like a you know an extra fiver for it 
then yeah, sure. If it's worth it, but it's not, you know, it, and even like, just as, you know, just to get to, to, you know, even um, like Grand Theft Auto, right? Like Grand Theft Auto. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, microtransactions exist in a form of currency, but it's like, if you want something, you can get the currency and it's like kind of okay in that sense, I think, just because it's like, you're using it to get stuff in the game as you want. Like it's not hidden behind any kind of like manipulation tactic. But like mm-hmm. when it's That's when it's fair. something like this that you you don't know what you're getting, it's just like, oh, you could get anything like even even like in Overwatch. Right. If you want a costume, you can't just buy that costume and have it like you have yeah. to you have to buy a pretend box with a pretend key and hope that you get it. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's that is where like the, the big problem lies. Like you can't like you can't just say like, oh, it's a, you know, microtransactions are bad and we're at fault for getting into them because realistically they're not. They're kind of neutral at their most ideal state. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's pointless. I, I don't think they should exist in general. The amount of money they charge for these things per unit, it's not necessary. It's just greed. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you're 100% right. Yeah. <laughs> this is absolutely yeah. not necessary. But, like, we, you know... They got us with the fancy toys, and it's not going anywhere. I mean, like, hopefully, hey, yeah. the level of manipulation the DA is doing will help people get like cut back on it. But like, you know, unfortunately, someone you, worked you're, hard. You're right, man. <laughs> it's it's Star Wars, and it's a game that people are looking forward to. It's not really gonna like unless people completely just do not buy this game. Yeah. It's not really gonna do anything. And, we still, and I highly doubt it's gonna affect sales we, at all. We still live in a world where we seem to think if enough people get angry on Reddit, that represents the world. It really doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it really, really doesn't. It really doesn't. When snakes on a plane bombed. We should have realized this a long time. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, Phil. You're not wrong. Yeah. You, well, move you like, moving here. right along. Huh? No, you listen here, Phil. Okay. Someone worked hard <laughs> to make that extra costume. Okay. And if they want five dollars for it, the least you could do is give five dollars. You want to get paid for your work. These guys just want to get paid for their work. Too. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure okay. the individual costume designers are getting cut in on the loot boxes. Uh, oh, clearly. Oh, obviously, exactly they're, they're like making the, bank. It sounds exactly like what the. That's what we got to do. We'll start putting articles in loot boxes, and then people will pay for them. <laughs> they want to read those articles. It's genius. Genius, Jordan. <laughs> You've cracked the code, Jordan. You've no cracked podcast. Steal this idea. This is a patent pending. <laughs> well, uh, actually, moving right along. Speaking of stakes on a plane, let's move on to movie news. Okay, I think we talked about it enough. Yeah. we can all get angry. All right, so the first, movie news. First thing, and I know this will be very uh, important. This is going to be uh, a very important thing for Jordan specifically. Is that uh, I'm, lis- I'm, I'm listening. Well, you know about this already. Uh, Illumination, the studio that created the, the that created the Minions, um, have uh, now purchased the rights to do a Mario Brothers movie, and uh, that's happening. Have they actually purchased the rights? I thought last I heard they were just they were still in talks to get oh, like a contract. I, yeah, I, guess, I mean, like it seemed uh, it could be that they're still in negotiation. It, it seems so like fi- finalized to me and some things I've read, but I could you know it could have just been a game of telephone. But um, yeah, it seems like I mean pretty much inevitable. I'm not jazzed about it, but you know, I Despicable Me One was pretty mm. good, and I heard good things about Secret Life of Pets. And sing, so maybe sing's not good. They, no, you know what? It, I heard okay things pretty, about it. They were there. They were they they did the job that they were supposed to do. They were like they they entertained a large number of the populace. So the there's stu- that. The studios, the studios, fine at what they yeah. do. 
My my main the concern, my, my main feeling is just like like do we really need this? Like I get that Mario is iconic enough that people can see dollar signs attached, but mm-hmm. like well, of course we do. But the thing- I think so too. I think Mario really like as as an icon in gaming really does deserve at least one good movie because like you know yeah. people people often or maybe maybe you know gamers often refer to Mario as the Mickey Mouse of video games. So I feel like yeah. like in that sense the fact that he hasn't had at least one good movie um, is kind of sad. But that's my exact, that's actually the exact point I was going to make. And I'm glad you did. I brought that up, Jason, which is that I, I agree. Mickey, Mickey Mouse is a hundred percent common. Who's Jason? Uh, sorry. Who's Jordan. Stephanie? Jeepers. Sorry. Stephanie for Ross Week, guys. Sorry. sorry, Jordan. I know your name. No, that, it's the, okay. Fillmore. The Mickey, the Mickey Mouse analogy was the one I was going to bring up because I agree with you. Mickey Mouse is like, possibly the most iconic cartoon character of all time now what's the feature length film that mickey mouse is famous for uh i want to say uh jack the jack and the beanstalk one no, there isn't one because there's because no mickey Ma- because mickey mouse was iconic because it was early in animation when it was just shorts when everything was just based on sensation and just the magic of watching drawings come to life that's when mickey mouse was appealing because it was a groundbreaking character that that created that form. Mario's the same way. Mario is iconic because, you know, he was the first iconic video game character and Nintendo has done an incredible job up to and including the most recent title of finding uh, contemporary, uh, contemporary ways of using Mario's iconography. However, there's no story or character to Mario. They actually make jokes mm-hmm. about in games the fact that it's just the same thing over and over again and there's nothing to it. In, in a movie... It's all kind of character and plot based, especially an animated movie, and yeah. really nothing to go there. I mean, that was the like one of the main reasons that I mean, one of, of a million reasons why the '90s Mario movie stinks is that like they had nothing to do, so they invented this whole other mythology that is, you know, I guess some nonsense, like it, but they're crazy. Um, and <laughs> and uh, I just don't think there's anything to do with this now, like. Perhaps there's some sort of like snide take they want to have on it. Like it's mm-hmm. actually Luigi's the main character and he's just frustrated that everyone thinks Mario is better than him, even though they're identical or something like that. I could see them like yeah. having some sort of jokes with that, but there's just no real depth here. Like, he, like, you know, people talk about a Zelda movie and I guess there could be more done there, but even that, like these are very rote, very basic narratives at a time when games weren't really narrative driven. Um, and I, I just don't, I just don't see a Mario movie being worthwhile. Now, I could be wrong. Well, there could be someone who uh, just got just finished writing Minion Six and has a brilliant idea for how to make uh, Mario into a ninety-minute narrative. But it just doesn't seem necessary to me, and I can't. Well, here's the thing: disappointing. The, like I was, I don't know, because this with the success of of movies like Pixels and Wreck It Ralph, those were like not that. well. Pixels, uh, Pixels tanked, I believe. Oh, yeah, Pixels did, but tank. people still talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, True. regardless, okay, the with the success of like those kind of video game movies, I and the fact that the timing with Mario Odyssey's launch and the ubiquity of the announcements and press that kind of went into that, and people knowing Mario again. Um, 
like it makes sense that they would do it of course i just, understand uh, the commercial like yeah. reality of it like if but like it made like I've, like yeah if they may like just like releasing a movie called mario means they make a hundred million dollars on the first weekend yeah, yeah exactly if it's good or not but like my point is just but you're right it's just i don't we don't need it there's well it's not it's just that we don't need it it's just that there's nothing there really i mean but like i think yeah. that's kind of like what it was one of the things i really loved about mario odyssey was that it was just pure gameplay and the joy of that and there was nothing there were there there was no attempt at weaving together a narrative and i just i yeah i i mean you know i could be wrong there could be some sort of brilliant idea that illumination has but i think it's well see because i i think that you know the fact that you bring up odyssey is that i think this is odyssey was the first time really that mario had like just boatloads of personality like he has never been more expressive and emotive and like just just more of like a, a character than he was in this game i mean aesthet- and I would, aesthetically yes but like in terms of like well, this any sort of psychological depth to it well this is my thing like you know uh, you know on the one hand i think they are they were playing a little bit more like um just fast and loose with the whole like you know he rescues peach because he loves her but I would I would argue that like you're you're right, but this might be a good chance to actually give Mario a personality. Like it's not hard to do so. Like a like now you know again there's problems like if they don't you know because Nintendo has basically more or less scrapped the idea that Mario and Luigi are two plumbers from Brooklyn. You know that gets rid of a chance for that you know very easy like fish out of water narrative where mario just kind of like you know get, gets into it you know, and they're, all the wonder of the mushroom kingdom is kind of like lost in that sense if they're already from the mushroom kingdom but yeah. like you know there's chances to do something like okay like luigi is naturally very cowardly so you know his arc through the film is that he has to learn to be a little bit more brave maybe mario you know, who, who shoulders all this responsibility throughout the adventure learns that maybe his life wasn't so bad. And, you know, being a plumber is okay because having to face danger is hard. Like there are ways you could take that and actually put a narrative to it. Like, so there's a chance to do it. Yeah. No, but I kind of, yeah, I, no offense, Jason, but those ideas sound horrible. That's twice, man. I'm not Jason. <laughs> that one was deliberate just to irritate you at a deeper level. But I, I mean, like I, I, like, I agree. Of course you can graph something on. I just don't think there's anything there, like, worth grafting something onto. And again, I point to Mickey Mouse. Like, everyone knows who Mickey Mouse is. It couldn't be a more iconic character. But can you name one personality trait of Mickey Mouse, despite the fact that they've been making Mickey Mouse stories for, what, 70 years? I well, can stressed he's, out he's yeah, always yeah. stressed out and i don't know why but he's always Mouse. chipper he's always very chipper but i mean like remember I, see, remember right the there, I just, right there the first two adjectives you guys came up with completely contradict each other i know see what yep. I'm, and, and mary is just the same way i just don't think everything needs to be a movie if they wanted to make something about like all the nintendo characters and like an irreverent wreck it ralph way then cool there's mm-hmm. something to be done there but to try and stretch mary out for 90 minutes is just I mean, just give me a sleeping pill now. I think it's doable. Well, I think you're. I think you're being cynical about it. Of course, I'm being cynical. I mean, we about had it, the trolls. I think you're being cynical about it for the wrong reason too. Right. It's like, let's guys, let's be guys. More, let's be more cynical about the idea that Illumination is probably going to find which what like you know there's going to be a talks about whether the Toads, the Shaggers, the Yoshi's are going to be like their answer to the Minions. Yeah. Guys, we had a Trolls movie, and we had an Angry Birds movie. Mm-hmm. 
And I heard Trolls actually wasn't that bad. No, they oh, were, it was no, bad. They were it, was, it was bad. They were both, oh, it was bad. Heard, they were both horrible, and they were both horrible for the exact same reason, which is that there's yeah. no story there, and there's no character there. There's just imagery. What? Was that animated Smurfs movie any good? I no, thought I heard no, no. about it too. No, no, the, the no. one, the, the one where they actually no. tried to make it like the cartoon, and it was like a medieval no, adventure. No, 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 no. Oh, what a bummer! No, yeah, they're all, they're all bad. They're all bad. Yeah, what a Jason, bummer. they're all bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, what else do we have to talk about, Phil? All right, well. That we we I'm gonna I'm gonna cut some of these because that that went on a little longer than I thought it would, although <laughs> yeah. deservingly so. All right, so yeah, yeah. Um, the next one. This is kind of a funny story where uh, so Quentin Tarantino has a new movie that he's putting on, and uh, because uh, the of uh, Harvey Weinstein is uh, because of Har- Harvey Weinstein's uh, takedown and the dissolving of his company. That's Tarantino had only ever worked with them. Obviously, that's not even an option. Is Murex done now? Oh yeah, they're done. They're five hundred. Okay. They're five hundred million dollars in debt, and they're trying to sell off all their. Yeah. So, oh my um, god, lord. Yeah, that's not good. So uh, the they, but I mean, like I'm sure that debt existed before all this. They were just blind, oh, yeah. powering through. Like they were like something was gonna. They were gonna be able to wave a magic wand and well, and also get some money off this Tarantino movie. Whoops. So anyway, uh, the uh, so he's trying to sell it now. We don't really know what it's about, aside from the fact that uh, Margot Robbie has been signed on to play Sharon Tate, which suggests there's a Charlie Manson element to it. But uh, Tarantino, in a very uh, the one time anyone got to talk about it, said that it's not specifically about Charlie Manson. It's just about 1969 in Hollywood, whatever that means. And um, so uh, on the back of that, the studios have been doing really elaborate ploys to try and convince him to come to them. Like Warner Brothers, apparently, when he went to the meeting... They filled the parking lot with period cars from the 60s and took down the sign and replaced it with the 60s Warner Brothers sign. And then when they brought over the office for the meeting, all the furniture had been changed out. So it looked like Mad Men. So, oh, serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that really <laughs> happened. And I guess like Sony and Paramount and other people have been doing similar things. So people are desperate for it. As, as to why, who knows? Apparently he wants $100 million for it. So it's a spicy meatball. And I guess he's <laughs> been talking to uh, Tom Cruise brad pitt and leonardo dicaprio but all being in it in mysterious roles so it's marketable but it's just crazy to think that they're going to this level to try and get his new movie um i i like i hope it's great i do like his stuff the last few have made a lot of money um with the exception of yeah. hateful eight but even that they deliberately made cheaper knowing it wouldn't be as successful and did just fine so yeah it's just i've, I've never heard of anything like this it's completely crazy, um, but you know, hey, maybe that means it's good. We'll see. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just oh. think of the amount of money Warner Brothers must have spent just for one meeting. You know what I mean? That's insane. That's, yeah. Well, I mean, how? So, right, there was two, like a whole bunch of different things that got canceled because of the all the it was the essential fallout that came from Harvey Weinstein. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess they're kind of desperate to find something to kind of make bank to make up for all that at this point. Um, so I guess it kind of makes sense, but does it make actual financial sense? Well, I'm not I, I think entirely sure. That, like, the math doesn't seem to work out for me. Well, it's just, he like, all his movies have been successful. Um, they, yeah. he, he's yet to make, uh, yeah. other than Grindhouse, he's yet to make one that's lost money. So I'm Grindhouse sure- lost money? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one did really badly. 
But um, other than that, they've all been fairly, fairly large hits off of uh, reasonable investments. So I'm sure mm-hmm. it's just like simple math that way. And also because like he's never really been an option to anyone before. And right, right. presumably like if this works and goes well, they could probably they're probably hoping to sign him to a multi pitcher deal. So they get a few movies out of them. But um, yeah, just wild, wild, wild yeah. stuff as Johnny and Carson. Very much so. Yeah. Say. Uh, next up, um, Sony is continuing to announce pointless Spider-Man spinoff movies, and as they should. The new yeah. one, Venom, is currently in production, and the new one they're doing this is just weird to me. Is about Morbius, the living vampire. So if you don't remember, okay. Morbius was a uh, was a Nobel Prize winning biochemist who uh, tried to cure a rare blood disease um, with a, an experiment that involved electroshock therapy in bats. And you're not going to believe this. But he ended up being a vampire at the end of all that. He becomes crazy. Yeah, what? I know. Yeah, it's wild. Um, it was like the, the rules were slightly different because it was made at a time when there was still a comics code preventing there from being horror characters. So he couldn't actually turn people into vampires, but he did feast in their blood. They normally call it plasma to get around the blood thing. Um, <laughs> it was weird. They did what they had to do, but that's all baked into the character now. And anyway, he's getting his own movie, and the guys that wrote the Power Rangers movie are writing it, which, yippee. And I, I, I just, like, I yeah. understand them, like, wanting to do spinoff movies, but, like, I would, like, Venom I get, because Venom yeah. is iconic, and they can, but, like, no one knows who Morbius is. And, like, the main reason that he was even well-known is that Blade would fight him, and that's how Blade mm-hmm. got introduced. Oh, bring back Wesley Snipes, so, Blade spinoff. But I don't think Sony, ha- I believe like Mark Disney has Blade. Maybe there's some sort of trade there. I don't know. But anyway. Would you guys want to see another Blade movie at this point, though? I would love to see another Blade movie. Yeah, I would see yeah, a Blade yeah. movie in a second. With now Wesley the Blade Snipes? movies were great. I, I, yeah, I would, I would recast the role. I think it's. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. That. But I, yeah, I would go for it. I, I would in a second. Like the only reason that franchise died is because the third one was so horrible and then Wesley Stipes went to prison. But other than that, <laughs> those movies are fantastic. Yeah. And, and, and it, it always bothers the, me. And they were also the first Marvel properties that were successful pre X-Men. Well, what I was going to say was they were also, it, it always bothers me because people talk about Deadpool and how like Deadpool's like, was like the first R rated Marvel movie. They all forget about Blade mm-hmm. and it really cheeses my onions. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, sorry, I need to interrupt for a second, but did you guys see the new Deadpool trailer that came yeah, out? Ryan good. Reynolds tweeted out this week. Eh. Doing the Bob Ross thing. That was pretty Bob good. Bob Ro- Ross Deadpool I don't trailer. Know. I I I'm worried because I like I enjoyed Deadpool, don't get me wrong, but that success was so unparalleled that they just seem to think anything they do as Deadpool is funny now. And that went on for way too long. But that's me. kind of what Deadpool is. Like Deadpool is like any that's kind of what he's become, is just like he can do anything and people will guffaw. Like he is the Marvel in universe, just lol random character. And people right. forget that that kind of works. You know, you know what? Actually, I would say it would it would probably work better in a sequel because there's way more characters attached to it now. And I think yeah. the only reason Deadpool actually works. I mean, the reason he worked in the first movie was a, they kind of made him less crazy and a little bit more likable, but also because right. they didn't focus on him the entire movie. It was more like the, you know, the focus was on like Wade and then he had other characters to bounce off of. And I think Deadpool works better when he has other characters, like not really reacting to his level of bull crap. I mean, sure. So maybe if you bring Cable and Domino and all these other crazy characters into it, like they're bringing back uh, 
what's his name there and uh, teenage supernova there. Yeah, uh, uh, Colossus. Colossus. Yeah, but oh. yeah, but um, but yeah, no. That my point wasn't that. My point is just that it was not funny. Um, it felt really painfully stretched out, and I'm just it worried felt that like it was. I, I thought it was uh, yeah. just okay. It's, 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 I'm glad you brought that up because I was like, I was looking at some of them. Some of the jokes I genuinely laughed at, but a lot of them it was like, you're really trying very, very hard to sound irreverent, and it's not. Yeah. It, it feels like you're trying. It feels like jokes by committee. It a felt, lot of them. It felt very flat to me, and like they, yeah. you know, they spent a long time polishing that Deadpool script because it took so long for it to get made. And my concern yeah, yeah. is now it's just like everyone just thinks, oh well, I mean everything we do is Deadpool is hilarious. So just keep throwing it out there and make more dick, dick, dick jokes, please. And I just, I'm, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it has me worried. I have to admit because that, I'm uh, still going to go see it, but of course, I'm, like still, of course I'm still, I'm still looking forward to it and I hope it'll turn out. Um, but I just, I don't know that some of that stuff fell so flat that, um, and I mean, admittedly, like clearly the Bob Ross thing was just for the teaser. Like it was something that they probably tossed off as an afterthought. Hopefully they put more thought into writing the movie, but that, yeah, it was so unfunny that uh, I'm, I'm worried. I got to admit. <laughs> well, my thing for me, Deadpool is one of those things that it was like it was like every three months an issue would come out, so it wasn't a hugely pushed out thing when it was really popular. It's just you every once in a while you get an issue and a few laughs and you're done with it. When you try to push a two hour movie of that same humor <clears throat> all in one all succession after each other it might lose some of the fun. The first time it, you saw Deadpool, you're like, oh, it's on screen now. That's fun. But do I want to see a series of these movies? I'm not 100% sure yet. No, I kind of, I'm with, I'm with Jordan on this. Like, I think, I think we're, we'll be okay as long as he had, because there's such a huge cast of characters in this yeah, yeah. thing. There'll be some palate cleansers from D- Deadpool. Like you'll get those bereavements, those, not bereavement, those, those brief moments of uh, no, like a reverent humor essentially yeah, yeah. or you just know, like lack of reaction to it yeah. and it's like oh okay that's you know that's the point you'll get that break so that when the jokes come you'll at least be ready for them as opposed to like okay yeah. i'm lost in the sea of ran- randomness i don't know i just i, I, can't, I, I can't get I, bogged out of i feel like dead note uh, dead note deadpool dead is note, yes. and, and of, jason yeah i feel like dead dead, note and jason. I, yeah i know i feel like dead, deadpool is a pretty one note uh character and uh yeah yeah i i just but that like, was the like it was it was funny the first time to be like oh hey he's self-aware and they're swearing but i just don't know if there's like a lot of room to go with this and yeah. um, and to be honest like i enjoyed deadpool like as like a flavor in the marvel universe who every mm-hmm. now and then would show up and poke fun of everything but in terms of caring his movies and like the fact that there are so many characters i just seems to me like they're just throwing everything against the wall and i don't yeah. know it's worrisome yeah yeah i'm with you there yeah so uh we have time for one more story for mia phil you want to give us one more sure i'll do one last one which is that uh the screenwriter of uh it uh gary doberman is working on a movie adaptation of are you afraid of the dark that uh, paramount nice. hopes to turn into a reoccurring horror franchise for children Cool. Um, that would be cool. cool. Why not? Uh, I mean, I like I, I Afraid, like of, the Afraid of the Dark. It's a simple enough concept that they can translate it easily enough. And yeah. Twilight Zone mm-hmm. stories for kids, that could be fine. 
Um, yeah, why not? Yeah, and also Nothing like against it. As much as I like, I love Are You Afraid of the Dark. I recognize that so much of that is rooted in nostalgia, and it's not like if they make a cheesy horror movie, I'll be like, "Oh man, that was so cheesy." Not like Are You Afraid of the Dark? You know what I mean? Like I think it's <laughs> pretty oh, easy. There were some genuine like spookers in Are You Afraid oh, yeah, of the Dark? No, like it was a lot that, of cheesy, yeah, but there were some really good ones. There were some good ones. If you're a child, it's not like. Yeah, yeah. Like I just think like the like, this is the sort of thing. This is the sort of thing that I have no problem with them bringing back because like Are You Afraid of the Dark was good. It worked, but it's not so precious. But like you know, I'm like, no. oh man, if they don't have that guy from the Weather Channel, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> <laughs> By the same token, like go back and watch the the, the Tim Curry. It like it's not, it was scary when you were a child, but it's not scary today. So like yeah, and if they can get someone sure, who actually good. turned it around and made it scary. Then I'm all for it. Yeah, no, well, that's exactly why I was fine with it being remain too. Where like it, like Tim Curry, Tim Curry was perfect, but it was not so precious that it, he couldn't withstand a new. Yeah, yeah. So similar thing, but uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, let's take a break, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. We can hear from our sponsors, and we'll come back in just a second. Man, I wish I could get new comics every month, but I'm broke and oddly always five dollars short. Lame. Wait. Five bucks short, you say? Well, I've got something special for you. What the hell was that? It's me, the discount ghost of Coupons Pass. Are you scared? What the f- Use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, to get $5 off your next Comic Bento subscription. So wait, if I use the code CGMEG, all in caps, all one word, I get $5 off my next Comic Bento? Yes, use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, and get $5 off your next Comic Bento. A whole $5, eh? Now that's scary. The Pixels and Ink podcast is brought to you by Buns, your city network. Buns connects you to the people in your neighborhood to help you find the things you need to fuel your real life. Swap things you already have to get items you need. You can also find jobs that pay the bills, homes for rent, advice, and a place to talk about your city. Buns is available online at buns.com and on your phones via the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Okay, welcome back, and thanks again to our sponsors for sponsoring our podcast. All right, Phil, you went to go see some movies this week, so tell us all about Justice League. I did. So, yes, I saw Justice League. Which That's really all I want to hear about. As good as we <laughs> yeah. all hoped and yeah, knew it well, was going to be. Obviously, it was a movie I was dreading because... It's a movie that's been plagued with problems from the fact that they had the hubris to shart, start to shart cheapers. They had the hubris. <laughs> to, that's going I think on that's the box. Appropriate yeah, yeah. according to what yeah, you think yeah. about this movie. This movie was a shart. Yeah. So anyway, they had the hubris to start shooting produ- uh, the movie uh, the day after the opening weekend for Batman versus Superman. At which mm. point they were like, "Boy, people hate this movie. This is a problem." Because um, <laughs> they make another one. one. They're making right now for even more money. <laughs> so from from that moment on, um, the whole the whole thing was was you know being constantly rewritten and rethought. And there were mm. there was talk that because um, uh, Ben Affleck's Batman was one of the few things that people enjoyed about the original movie that he was having more that Affleck was having more directorial input alongside Zack Snyder. And then after it was finished, uh, they went back to reshoot it to lighten it up. And then after they did that. 
they uh, they hired Joss Whedon to rewrite the script a bunch. And then after a family tragedy meant that Zack Snyder could no longer uh, direct those reshoots, uh, Joss Whedon be- went back to direct uh, and, and reshoot. And then they did a bunch of other stuff. And, and that's really what the movie feels like more than anything else is that. A mess? Yeah, it, it really is. It's just a series of really conflicting tones. You can like it's very easy to tell which scenes are by Zack Snyder, which scenes are by Joss Whedon. Um, they're like basically the big action scenes, which would have required the entire length of the post-production process to finish all the animation on. Those are all very clearly Zack Snyder. And then, and then it's clear after that, they were like, well, we got those action scenes. Let's figure out how to link them up in more fun <laughs> ways. And um, the whole thing's very sloppy. Uh, the villain is Steppenwolf, who is sort of dark side sidekick. Um, and uh, he's tra- tracing out these mother boxes, which are sort of, there's a complicated mythology to those so that they're sort of involved in being able to take, to control, the, to unleash hell in the world. Not that that matters. They basically don't even really discuss it. Um, Steppenwolf's just a big evil guy with horns, and he wants these boxes, and the Justice League got to stop him from getting these boxes. And that's as much plot as there is. Um, and uh, so... <laughs> Which is a shame. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, Batman decides, boy, um, this whole, like, these like weird like robo uh, bat creatures that I'm seeing around, that seems like something, it seems like something's afoot that I'm going to need help with. So I better go find new heroes. So he calls up Wonder Woman again and she's like, yeah, I'm with you. And that part's <laughs> over. And then he goes uh, to, I believe it's Norway to find Aquaman and conveniently finds him in a bar that has Aquaman's entire origin story connected to the mother boxes painted on the wall. So he's able to of course it does, yeah. and be like, that's you. Right. And he's like, well, I guess. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> um, and then the flash is just like a plucky kid who has become the flash. And uh, he's like sarcastic and silly. And so he's there to do one liners and he agrees to sign up real quick and cyborg finds them. And reluctantly agrees to join. And you don't really find anything about Cyborg because no one really cares about the character of Cyborg. He was created <laughs> in, a, during, in, in the 90s when if you like had something that looked extreme, um, <laughs> they you would, you'd sell a bunch of copies. So they created that character then. And then the Terminator was popular, so they made him a Cyborg. So <laughs> really do that character. And he was cl- like clearly just forcing the Justice League because Warner Brothers was like, look, the one thing we can do is we can have the first hero of color and the first female superhero. So we're going to have them both. And they're like, okay, well, there was one black Green Lantern. Can we use him? Like, no, no one liked that Green Lantern movie. <laughs> You're going to use this one, Cyborg. Put him in there. So he's just kind of there. Um, and then, uh, and, and so it's very, very sloppy on a story and structural level. Admittedly, both Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller actually do have quite fun takes on The Flash and Aquaman. Um, so they get a lot of screen time, uh, essentially, like, just begging. Uh, basically, just the producers begging the audience, being like, please like these guys. We have movies we really want to make. Um, and they're fun enough, even though they don't get much to do. Um, the, the tone is, and, and the tone's just really all over the place. At times it's wacky, at times it's serious. Uh, it doesn't really fit together. The, like, Joss Whedon scenes admittedly have some clever dialogue and some clever, like, uses of the characters in small instances. The trouble there is that they were clearly done so late in the process that the effects look very cheap. Um, in particular, anytime Cyborg's in one of those scenes, like, his entire suit's CGI, 
And you can really tell which scenes they had enough time to work on and which scenes they didn't because they can look very cheap or the Whedon scenes all tend to conveniently take place in like small rooms or somewhere in the corner of a big scene where they can green screen them in. <laughs> so that's awkward. And then, and then also um, infamously uh, Henry Cavill uh, was shooting a mission impossible, a mission impossible movie uh, when they needed to come back for the last round of reshoots. And he had grown a mustache and the producers of mission impossible, because they were basically letting him around the weekend, refused to let him shave that mustache. They said, guy off the mustache. And again, they didn't have much time. So, you can always tell when those scenes come up because it looks like he's been shot up with Novocaine in his top lip <laughs> and he's kind of a cartoony, flappy lip. So it's a weird thing where, like, as a result of everything that happened and all the people that had to get paid for it to happen, this is one of the most expensive movies ever made, possibly even the most expensive. But at times it looks like, like the cheapest superhero blockbuster um, in a really unfortunate way. So it's a big mess. Now, all that being said, like, is there a certain charm to actually seeing the Justice League on screen for the first time? Sure. Um, are they, is the movie like at least like reverent, reverent to the characters? Yeah, definitely. Um, the tone is goofy. There are some amusing jokes and it's just filled with references to DC characters and stuff, just basically begging for fan service appreciation. So seeing as how there has been a huge line of DC you uh, apologists already. I'm sure plenty of them will get on board with it. Um, it's not like a disaster on the level of Batman and Robin, like I thought it would be, but it also is like a movie so bad where I was like, boy, you know, I really wish I was watching Batman versus Superman because at least that had like a take <laughs> and like they took, wow. they actually had the time to make it look slick and big versus yeah. Them, yeah. just all over the place. So it's a real mess. And more than anything else, like it just feels like a movie where they just tried everything they could to make it as much like the Avengers as they could to make it to include as many things as they could just so they could monitor the online response, see what the fans actually appreciated and then go forward oh. from there with those with those elements that did well. So it's a bummer. Um, I have a feeling that it's going to be even more of a box office disappointment for Warner Brothers than Batman v Superman is. And I think ultimately that's a good thing because they seem to have already decided at this point, since Wonder Woman worked, the way to go is rather than trying to forcibly manufacture a universe with no plan is to just make solo outings um, that are in some cases stand alone, in some cases maintain their own continuity and just let those naturally build up a quality and fan base and, you know, maybe even let filmmakers come in and like actually do something with them rather than keeping them to a mandate and an impossible deadline. Gee, that case. idea never worked before in the yeah. past eight years. Who would yeah. have thought of that? <laughs> yeah, I hope it works. I mean, like, they did have a big success with Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman did turn out very well. So it's not like they can wash their hands of this entire affair. But this uh, this really is. I mean, like, it's not like it's a surprise that Justice League is a mess. I mean, obviously, everyone could see it coming a mile away. But, yeah, it really is. It really, really is. And it's a shame because like there were, you know, the handful of moments that worked, I did find myself being like, oh, it's so nice to see all these guys together. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it's just a shame that, you know, no one took the time to do that. But at least like these, like th the three Zack Snyder DC movies um, are 
like <laughs> were so off the mark and turned out to be so loathed that at least yeah. lessons have to be learned from this. It would have been worse if they'd all been successful enough that the, that Warner Brothers was like, well, we're making money. Keep them coming. <laughs> so we at least yeah. have that going for us. But yeah, it's a real shame. It's a real that, shame. That is a that bummer. Is a, it yeah, really is. Because those like the, the, the trailers with that like new like kind of like more jovial tone were mm-hmm. kind of getting me excited like to a certain degree. I was like, you know what, this is actually starting to look less like a like a big dreary affair, and maybe I might enjoy this. Yeah, and there are a handful of of fun sequences, but I would just encourage anyone to just wait um, because honestly, like. A, the, like when the CGI is bad, it's so bad that it's really distracting. And I feel like on, at least on a smaller screen, you might not be able to like stare at Henry Cavill's uh, upper lip <laughs> as, like, in as much detail as you can when it's 30 feet high. You know what I mean? So I would just, I would just wait. I mean, the best stuff will end up on YouTube. There are a handful of kind of cute scenes. And like I said, the, the best parts of the movie are uh, Jason Momoa's Aquaman and, uh, Ezra Miller's Flash, and that I, I think like that's clear, and they will get their own movie. I mean, Aquaman's already coming, so they'll get their own movies that could will hopefully be less of a complete waste of time and energy than this. But oh, and the other thing that's worth mentioning is after Ben Affleck was the best part of Batman v Superman, he could not look more disinterested or bored. Oh, he looks sad to be there. all the time now. It's it's really a shame, but I mean, like at least he was committed in the last one, and his Batman was kind of interesting. He just like he's barely even there for half of this, and um, it's yeah, it's just sad to watch. And uh, apparently, I was actually just reading, um, and uh, when we were taking a, a break for the ad, because we actually do take breaks for the ad, it's not just. A, a, a wacky little pretend thing that we do um that uh, <laughs> apparently, apparently the rumor is that uh for uh, matt reeves's solo batman movie that he's working on now uh, it's going to be a younger batman and uh they're actually talking to jake gyllenhaal to do it which sure why not, not i'd be I'm down not for totally that, against he looks like, like he, he's at least someone who i've uh, like a he's a good actor but b i find he's because he's so weird looking and has those very distinctive sunken eyes like the only time I don't buy him is whenever he's playing a night per- a nice person because well I'm sure he's mm. probably a nice person in real life when I just look at his face in a movie I'm like something's up with you this isn't right and I feel <laughs> like that would translate very well to Batman and uh, that, that that I'm actually all for that and yeah uh, even even Affleck himself when they were doing like the the very very that was the other thing that was surprising is like. Justice League is coming out this week, and after the deluge of advertisements I'm used to for any superhero movie, there is like nothing for this. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and the few interviews I saw, like the stars were practically apologetic for this one. And even Affleck, when someone asked him, "So like, uh, do you know what what's going on with the next Batman?" He's just like, "I don't know. We'll wait and see." Like it even seems like they've even told him, "Yeah, this is it." By the way, um, <laughs> no, it's kind of. <laughs> Kind of funny is that you, you you look at pictures like recent pictures of Jake Gyllenhaal and he kind of looks like a younger Christian Bale, so it kind of makes sense that they might cast him as Batman because that's the that's the last it. Batman people like genuinely really liked. Although I'd I do find it. it funny that his his sister was in the first ba- the Batman Begins. Batman, no, no, Dark no, she replaced yeah. uh, uh, Katie. Holmes. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. I knew she was in one Sorry, of them. Sorry, she replaced who? Katie Holmes. Uh, Katie, Katie Holmes, Holmes yeah. Character. yeah they fired her between Batmans. Yeah. Um, and, and he was also almost Spider-Man because um, uh, there was a point where there was some sort of contractual dispute with Tobey Maguire um, for 
either Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Man 3, I forget which one, and uh, they were getting to a point where they were going to just, they were going to replace him, and Jake Gyllenhaal was going to be the guy to, to play Spider-Man, and uh, sure. again, I, I prefer would... that it went this way, because I would have just been creeped out not trusting his Spider-Man the entire time. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. It would have been great for Spider-Man 3, though. That's when you want to not trust him. Well, exactly. Exactly. Did, did, did we talk about the... Um... Wonder Woman sequel, uh, removing Brett Ratner from any part of the production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, we talked about that last week. Um, yeah, no, because it, uh, it only got it only got finalized this week. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, well, we, yeah, well, we talked about uh, last week that uh, Gal Gadot was refusing. It said that mm-hmm. she wouldn't work on it until after. But I mean, they'd uh, pretty well after like the day that all the Brett Ratner scandal came out. Mm-hmm. Um, he released Simons himself saying that they were stepping away, that he was removing himself from Rat Pack. So it was pretty well guaranteed. I think it was just about my guess. I have no idea. My guess would be the only reason that story continued beyond that was just making sure that he had no, no longer had any sort of vested financial. Yeah. I think uh, Gal Gadot came out yesterday or the day before yesterday saying he will make no money off uh, a new Wonder Woman Woman movie. Which is, which is good because he definitely made a lot of money off the last Wonder Woman movie. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so good on yeah, good so on uh, Gal Gadot standing up for that. Yeah, totally, totally. So uh, yeah, and then just very quickly, the other movie I saw this week that was quite good is uh, uh, Blades of the Immortal. Um, it's based on a, a manga that I was unfamiliar with, but I guess it's been around for eighteen years. It's quite popular. It, it's a uh, big one. There's, there's an anime as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I have no doubt in my mind. But the main reason I was interested is uh, this one was by Takashi Miki. Oh, uh, yeah, the guy who did. Uh, Itchy the, the Killer, killer and yeah. Audition and 13 Samurai. And um, so, yeah, it is as a very stock uh, sort of uh, anime pre- uh, premise where it's about a, a, a lone samurai warrior who uh, was in a quest for revenge against the demigod, was cursed with immortality, and now stocks the land, uh, can be injured but can't die, and uh, continues hunting people and fighting for good and righting wrongs. And he, uh, in the movie, teams up with. A uh, young woman who he takes on as a protege, who is out for her own quest for revenge, and basically it's just it, it's almost structured like a video game where they then go through a series of warriors with increasingly ridiculous and elaborate weapons and mm-hmm. uh, fight grisly battles, um, and and that's all fun. I mean, like all Takashi Miki movies, uh, it tends to vary between being like sensory overload, insane mm-hmm. entertainment, and then very long, drawn out, like glacially paced character moments. So it's a bit wonky uh, pacing wise, but the fights are really good. And in particular, uh, the climax, um, he act- takes out an entire like army, basically. So there, there are 300 extras involved that I read. Wow. Um, oh, wow. And for 20 minutes, he kills every single one of them one by one. <laughs> and, uh, so it stays really close to the source material. Oh, yeah. It's it's pretty wild. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I am. Um, if you like, uh, you know, obviously, if you like the source material, if you like... Uh, uh, insane, you know, uh, you know, al- almost unrated hard R uh, samurai action movies. And if you like the work of Takashi Miike, I, I highly recommend it. It, uh, you know, like all his movies, it's a bit hit and miss, but the spectacle in this is unreal. And it's probably, and it's undoubtedly the only time he will ever get to make a movie of this scale. Like this is as close as we'll ever get to like uh, ep- a Takashi Miike epic. And, and that guy's and so sick and disturbed. I'm glad he got one. It's uh, playing in Toronto this week. Um, I believe it might also be playing in Montreal and Vancouver. And I think 
it if it's not this, if it's not day and date, then next week it'll be on VOD. Oh, okay, soon yeah. then. Okay, yeah. So uh, yeah, if you're in if you're in one of those major Canadian cities, uh, track it down, bring a barf bag. If not, wait it out. You'll get a chance soon. Is it playing anywhere in the states, or you don't know yet? Um, yeah, I don't know. I the I'd the imagine publicity. New York or something like that. Probably, yeah. The publicist that I dealt with it was with just um, exclusively the, the Canadian release. That's mm. all, the only information that I have, unfortunately. But I'm sure uh, that if it came to Canada, it'll be playing in the US as well. I'm sure of it. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. So, uh, what games are y'all playing? Jordan, why don't you get started? You played a bunch of games for us. Oh, this I played week. so many games. Um, you played all the games. I played what did I played Mario Party Top 100. Um, that wasn't great. Um, that won't get. Super That's a shame. I was actually kind of wanted to play that. You know yeah, why wasn't it so great? Okay, because there's there's just there's nothing to it. Like it's there's one single player mode, and it's a snore because you're just playing against computers, and that's not that's never been fun in Mario Party. Um, mm-hmm. And then all of the multiplayer modes, like there's one mode that kind of tries to simulate board play, and it's a snooze. It moves at a glacial pace. It's not structured like a like a proper Mario Party. So like you know. You, you can go through, like, you can play a game of, like, ten turns and spend, like, five of those turns without a single minigame. Like, it's Weird. all just random, like, balloons that land on the board and, and that you have to pick them up to get a minigame. You don't even get a minigame, like, like traditionally, like, you pick a pack of, like, five, depending on, like, different, like, things. Like, you know, there's, like, the N64 pack, the GameCube pack, and then... Whoever picks up the minigame balloon, like it spins a roulette wheel. And if you pick up the minigame balloon, you basically have like an increased chance, like a, an increased space on the wheel. And then mm-hmm. like before – so before the, mini, uh, the the roulette wheel spins, you choose whatever minigame you want to play. And if you if it lands on your space, you play your minigame. So it's That's like – That's dumb. It's really so dumb. fun. And – not only that, and then like you know, there's other stuff too. Like there's like the championship mode where you just like again, you pick up, you pick a, a mini game pack, you play, you know, you choose whatever one you want to play. It picks it randomly. Um, you know, it's like a best of five, and not even best of five really. You play three mini, three rounds, five rounds. Whoever wins the most rounds wins the the you know the pot. And then there's like you know a decathlon mode, which is like you know, and or like there's decathlon and half decathlon, but you only ever there's only like specific mini games picked for both decathlon and half decathlon so you always play the same mini games over and over again and Weird. even if, even if you want to just play the basic like top 100 mode where you just sit down with some friends and pick whatever um mini games you want to play like half of them are locked off so you have to play the single player mode to unlock all the mini games so it's like it doesn't even like play by the name of the game which is the top 100 all of that is you know, kind of a moot point against the fact that it's a local multiplayer game only. So unless you have four friends with four 3DSs, you're never going to play this game with other people. Weird. Um, That's so so many. It was so painful. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, if they had just, if they had just included an online mode where you can just sit down for like 10 minutes, hop into some mini games with some random people, this thing would have been a slam dunk, but I don't know why they assumed that was what it was going to be. That's what I really hoped, and I was really bummed out when they didn't go like in any direction that I thought they might go with this game. Because this, again, this could have just been a real slam dunk with just right, like right. you know, a, just a classic like return to form. Here's a couple board games. Here are like the best mini games across all the Mario parties, which again is problematic because like as once you start getting down the line into the ladder Mario parties, 
Um, the mini games are really just not good. Like they're very mm-hmm. handholdy. They're very dependent on luck. There's not a lot of skill based games in a lot of the latter Mario Party. So it just it just becomes really boring. That's too bad. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, it was a, it was a real shame. I was I was really hoping this would be fun, but again, I haven't really enjoyed a Mario Party since Mario Party Two. So I was mm. I don't know what I was hoping for. Um, just I guess a remake of that. Uh, so I played that. I played Pokemon's Ultra Sun, which you know was really really great. I personally think that um, Sun and Moon were the best Pokemon games made since uh, Silver and Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got an amazing narrative structure. Like I, I love the fact that it actually feels like a proper RPG and not just another Pokemon game. And realistically, this is just more of the same. Like it's the same base game, like all the same stuff. There's a few things that have been tweaked, like some of the challenge, uh, like tr- like island trials that you do that like basically play out like little dungeons and you kind of face a little pokemon boss at the end and then you face like the kahuna of the island um which is like the gym leader so some of those have been tweaked so that they're less like just like go from point a to point b like fetch questy stuff like they're actually a little bit more like like um they feel like they have more to do within them and mm-hmm. then there's all the post game stuff where there's like you know the the cool little like challenge mode where you fight uh the team rainbow rocket which is like team rocket but with all the bad guys from all the generations of pokemon and they all team up um a lot of cool little like post-game challenge modes where you can like battle other people or like not other people like other like main characters from pokemon games and kind of like uh unlock like special pokemon there's the whole like ultra wormhole world where you can like travel through it it's got like a little like um kind of like it's i've some people have described it as like the gummy ship mode from kingdom hearts and i'm inclined to agree and then you go to like different little wormholes you can unlock you 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 have the chance to catch like some legendary pokemon in there and some of the ultra beasts and um that's really it it's it's pretty it's just cool at that it's i mean it's the same thing that they've done with a lot of these pokemon games where like you know there's like the crystal version where it's just like it's just an enhanced version of the previous game so it's like if you missed out on the chance to play sun and moon like this is just 100 percent worthwhile and uh yeah really liked it um then i played skyrim on this on the switch and And? i i I really enjoyed it um you know now did you play skyrim before this i did i played so much skyrim it was ridiculous and then see the thing that worried me the most was that after i played fallout 4 and we Mm -hmm. all know how much i hate fallout 4 I went back and revisited Skyrim when the HD version came out and I was playing it and I was like, wow, like there's a lot of Fallout 4 in this game mm-hmm. and I can't believe I didn't notice it before. So I was like kind of like like hesitant and jaded about it. Like I was worried that I wasn't going to enjoy it. So like right off the bat, I was like, okay, I want to try and go in this with a positive attitude and be like nice to it. And really like the thing that I think works the most and I, I did put this in my review. Um, all of these you can read on CGM.com, by the way. <laughs> Little plug for CGMagonline.com. That's what I said. You said CGM.com. Well, you guys have been calling me Jason all podcast, so screw you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. So, but yeah. The biggest so, bonus. The thing that I, I enjoyed the most is, is really the portability side of it. Like that's the thing that really sticks out for me because I'm one of those guys who can like, you know – I've always enjoyed like kind of like playing on my, my Game Boy or my portable thing and having like like a TV show or a movie on. And I can kind of like multitask because I'm kind of not attached to either one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Skyrim really works 
in that in that way because it's like this is a game that's like almost six years old that's been released multiple times like i've sunk m- well into 300 hours into this game so it's like how I've many seen platforms have you played it on before like you only just played it on what just uh, my 360 oh, okay. no just the 360 and then and then when the hd version came out i just loaded it back up on my three on my 360 again oh okay but that's what I mean, but, I, but i've played it so much and it's it's there's yeah. no surprises here it's it's the same game so knowing like already what was i was going to expect like just being able to like throw on like you know, they, they just put the new season of family guy on Netflix. So I just threw on that and I'm just playing on my, you know, off the dock and like, I'm not attached to it. So it's kind of like, I'm not as, I'm not as like, um, invested in it. So I can kind of just enjoy it for just this like, you know, fun little RP open world RPG. Like you don't have, you don't, you're not sinking as much of your life into it. Yeah. And I feel like it really works that way. Like, it, it just there was a there was a whole like new dimension of just like kind of like fun that I was having again with this because I wasn't being serious about it. Yeah, and then some of the motion control stuff was pretty neat too. Like the the thing that I like the most is the um, is the motion control lock picking. So you have like you use your individual Joy Cons like your left Joy Con um, like will move like the like the like the actual lock pick. So you have yeah. to kind of get it in position, and then the the right Joy Con like you know you twist it. And it like moves the lock, right? So you actually kind of feel like you are picking the lock, which is kind of neat. That is neat. It is. It's it's really cool. Like the thing that doesn't work the most, it's the most stupid, is trying to swing the the Joy Cons around like it's a sword. It's just it's stupid because it does. It feels like you're playing the Wii again. Like you're just swinging, but like no matter what direction you swing in, it it's not consistent to what's actually happening on the screen. So just you can just avoid that. But like having like that one little extra layer of dimensionality and just like the yeah. gyroscopic aiming for like magic and and bow and arrow stuff, like total game changer on that side. So it's kind of warming you up for uh Skyrim on VR, which is coming out pretty soon. Well, that I might stay away from, you know, I don't, I, I'm still not, I'm still not sold hundred percent on VR. And I don't think that, uh, see, this is again, Lisa, you missed my whole point. What I don't want to do is bolt my feet to the ground and put a stupid headset on and like, you know, experience <laughs> Skyrim in that way. And now not, well, not only am I, am I investing my life into it, I'm investing my actual physicality into it. Mm, I just want to lie on the couch, throw on, you know, a movie and not have to pay attention to either one of those things. Makes sense. And that was okay. And Uh, then I think I think VR will sell you on the planted feet focused on the game. I don't know. You might even want to play Fallout that way, too. I think you're going to be sold. uh, Well, uh, well, maybe I'll let's just say I'll keep an open (laughs) mind. And last Uh, last but not least, certainly least was The Sims oh. 4 on PS4. You and didn't what love it? A chore. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So I don't not- think that I've been so mad about a game in a long time. Um I mean, okay, first so of all, what Okay, going back cuz just like with Skyrim, what's your history with The Sims? How much Sims have I, you played in your life? I played The Sims 1 on the GameCube and I okay. quite enjoyed it. Um, mainly just because I really li- I put on the cheat for ultimate money and I just built a really cool house and that now, was cool. Now, is there any other way to play that game? Because I, I don't, don't so. know how to play otherwise. <laughs> and then I played My Sims on the Wii and I thought that was pretty cute. Um, but this, like, okay. Number one, the game runs like crap. 
Like I built a pretty, not like a huge house, like just a, you know, a fairly medium sized house. Mm. I put like, you know, I put like a bedroom, a bathroom, and then the whole like living area is pretty open concept. There's like a little, you know, it's kind of like L shaped. There's like a little, Mm -hmm. you know, couch and a TV in one corner and a kitchen in the other corner. Sounds really fashion forward. I'm really proud of you. I got it. Well, I got the whole, I got this whole corner of just open space. I got to put some stuff in there, but I probably won't because I don't know if I'll ever go back to this game. But (laughs) so the first thing that really bothered me was that even with this, like, you know, you know, pretty small house with not a lot of stuff in it, using the build mode when I actually like put stuff in my house, this thing was running at like 10 frames a second. Like it was a joke. (laughs) It was so bad. And I was like, actually really just surprised i'm like this is a three-year-old pc game and it's on a ps4 like really um so there was that and there was a few times where like switching between like the building mode and the life mode where like the game just like really froze up and i was like you know kind of clenching my uh my cheeks thinking oh god this is gonna crash like this is it um so that was really unimpressive to me plus the fact that you can really tell that this is a game that they built for PC and didn't optimize it for a console. Like the actual yeah. like layout of all the buttons and menu items are still that of a PC game. Like they're all in the corners, they're like out of the way, but there's two ways to navigate them. You either cycle through them one by one, left to right, like you're on a friggin' bad password screen from an NES game. Or you click in the middle button and you have mouse control. The problem with mouse control is that it's on a joystick and it is terrible. If you press the joystick, like even just a little bit, this thing just skyrockets to the corner of the screen. Like (laughs) it is so unwieldy. It is not fun to use. And this is what like really bummed me out. Brutal. Because I really enjoy the building aspect of you know, the sim style mm-hmm. games. Yeah. So, and like having this whole neighborhood now that I chose just, just with completely empty lots, I'm like, there is no way I'm even going to attempt trying to build stuff. Like that's on top of this really bad camera control that only has like two functions. It's like a sort of 45 degree angle and like bird's eye view. You never really get a really like good, clear, uh, like, like you never really feel like you're in control of the camera that and like if you're trying to place an item and then you move the camera like you try to rotate it the item moves with the camera so it's not like you can keep something in place and then try to get a different like viewpoint it's like your thing just like is now in your backyard and that was particularly egregious when you ever try to build some walls and you want to spin the camera around just to see like you know what like your space is on one side of your house because your your wall is just going now like to like 80 degrees so it was bad. Now, so is there nothing salvaging this or like at least is well, there like this, story mode, the life mode? Does that help? Like is there – No. Can you well, get away with me. Like I mean I'd only play it for building and frankly I know a lot more people that play The Sims would only play it for the building. So this well, sounds this sounds really problematic to me. If you if – you, okay. Like this is the thing that I was trying to reconcile because I can kind of see – why some people might like the sims and i understand that the sims does have a pretty huge fan base like like i i played it for probably like you know maybe like five or six hours and i could kind of see like it's got this sort of like addictive quality to it like you do kind of just like you just sink your time into it but when you really get down to it 
it's a game about watching bars go down and then you have to fill them back up. Like, that's all it is. Oh, your Sim's hungry. Better get him some food. Oh, his, you know, now he's unhygienic. Better throw him in the shower. You know, none of these things that they can do all themselves. Like, you have to constantly micromanage every last second of their stupid, unfulfilled lives. <laughs> and, like, it's just, I, I, at the end of the day, I was like, you know, after I played it for, for the time that I did, I was kind of just like, what did I accomplish here? Like yeah, and well, the answer was nothing. But that's, that's the Sims. The Sims. Yeah. That's the Sims. But I, I, but like I think. But you got I mean, to accomplish something at the very least. Like I'll sink, you know, fifteen hours into Bloodborne, you know, and fight the same boss a hundred times until I beat it. But at least when I beat it, I feel like I accomplished something. Well, like okay, the ultimate goal in The Sims when you're playing The Sims is to get your people like level them up in their career, in the money that they make. You know, if you're playing it properly, but right now, based on uh, what, like, based on what you're saying, like, I don't see a reason to want to play this on console because, like, no, it's, all of it's, that it stuff really, is a lot. It sounds really cumbersome, which it makes was, the and that's exactly is, what really took me out of it. Like, yeah. I could have been okay with it if it if it actually ran like something that belonged on a console. But yeah. the fact that it didn't, I was just like, this isn't fun to play. I'm not feeling like I'm getting or even when I was like doing because I, you know, I made obviously I made myself, you know, I made him a writer. I was like, you know, trying to level up my writing skill. But it was just it was so tedious when like every five seconds, this guy has to stop writing his novel so that he can like go to the, so I can tell him to go to the bathroom, tell him to eat some food. Oh, some girl is calling me now. All right, come on over, I guess. Got to have friends because your social bar is going down. Got to fill that one back up. It's like it feels like a really bad survival game you'd find on mm. Steam. It's just it's just about watching bars go down and managing those bars. And at the end of the day, I guess if you like that, that's fine. Just play it on PC. Oh, and the thing that really, really cheesed me off, speaking of how terrible EA is, is that there's still DLC in this game from a three-year-old game, and it's still fifty dollars. Wow. Oh, that, you're talking that's, about cats and dogs, right? No, that's not out for it. No, yet. it's not even out. That's, no, that's coming. No, that's. That's so, PC, so, not for the console. Oh, yet. sorry. Oh, it's not even coming up for console yet. So oh. this game comes. There's the base game, which I believe is like sixty dollars. Then there's the deluxe party pack version that comes with some extra, like you know, skins and emotes and, a, and other bull crap, which is an which is this eighty dollar version of the game. Then there's the city living pack, which is like the one extra area, some outfits and some emotes, I guess, which is. $50. There's the vampire pack, which is like $25. Again, it's just some skins and some well, no, outfits. The, c- and the some city abilities. living one actually adds different types of apartments. Like you add um, nightclubs, you add like condos and, apart- and apartment buildings rather than just houses. City but living. You actually- can build a nightclub because there's clubs in other areas. And I don't feel like that's justified for a $50 price tag to a three year old game that's being re released on consoles. Like, I feel like that could have just been part of the game, you know, for as much crap as I'll give Bethesda for like, you know, kind of having broken games. Because again, you know, I didn't mention it, but the the Switch version of Skyrim is still kind of glitchy. At least they had the decency to include all the DLC within the game. Like it just comes with the game and the game doesn't cost $150. It's a $60 or $70 game. So like, you know... I guess, but again, you know, the vampire pack, it's some clothing items and some <laughs> abilities, $25. Like, yeah. 
it it just it's it's it seems very unjustifiable to me and i think it just again it plays into the idea that ea will just never have enough money and they'll always want you to pay for everything yeah well that's unfortunate not to say that paying for stuff is like oh girl i hate paying for stuff like but come on <laughs> yeah yeah no i i mean when it, it, just to summarize it like as you said with when skyrim port to switch actually included all the dlc it kind of gets your. But that's what like, I mean. You're, it you're, makes you're you re-releasing think, right? something. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a re-release. At least, at least include even if you have to raise the price of the re-release to include that because I understand people got to get paid. That's cool. I get that. But, but people it's a already got paid. Least exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Don't interrupt <laughs> me, Mister. Um, I'm sorry. So mad right <laughs> hearts, now. I love you. Um, but yeah, no. Like they've already been paid. Like. Okay, so charge a little extra for the base game when you port it to console and and be done with it. But but and so yeah, exactly. Don't don't so. have a base game, a deluxe edition, and the DLC. Just put it all in one pack. Exactly. And speaking of ports, Phil, you played uh, La Noir for Switch, right? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. So, so how's sure. that looking? It's good. Um, I, I always really liked uh, L.A. Noir. Um, I thought it was kind of uh, underrated at the time. I thought it was a very clever game with very good execution, although so there good. were obviously some bugs and problems with it. So, um, yeah, I played the Switch version. Uh, I did not, not the uh, PS4, Xbox One. So I, I'm assuming that they probably have an even more, um, e- even more of a like sort of technical improvement on it. But from the Switch, I did certainly notice it, it did look better. Um, there wasn't nearly as many pop-ups when you were driving around. The city of Los Angeles was a little bit more populated. It mm-hmm. still feels kind of ghost towny, which I guess kind of fits the tone. But mm-hmm. I remember being really distracted by that the first time, so that helps. Um, details look a little clearer. The big difference in the graphics I found was uh, in the interrogation scenes, because the facial capture animation was always amazing. But it did always look like they were like really detailed, awesome faces, uh, awkwardly floating on top of uh, very bland body models, um, and that has been slightly improved. The, they don't they they don't stick out as glaringly anymore, which is nice. Okay. Um, also, they made a slight adjustment to the mechanic of um, of interrogation, where before it was here. Let me. I, before it was, uh, I think it was like accuse them of lying, believe believe them, say they're lying, or accuse them with evidence. Uh, now it's been changed to good cop, back bad cop, or accuse. Oh, um, yeah, which, like that. That's cool. Which it's That's it's a very cool. it's a very simple aesthetic thing, but I found it really helped because there were times when I was playing it the first time when I'd be like. I think they're lying, um, so I'm going to go with that. And then the guys start yelling at them and screaming at them. This was not the level I was hoping for. So it's that's a very simple thing, but I actually think it did. It was actually a, a good choice because um, that, uh, yeah, the, the language they used before wasn't quite always precise. So that was good. Uh, and then obviously the um, the big changes specific for the Switch are uh, the motion controls and. Uh, touchscreen controls the motion controls uh work well for what they are um you know you can control the camera or aim using uh one of the joy cons which is uh you know if you like that it works well um i in general i do but i find when you get into shooting it gets a little hectic and to be honest the uh like duck and cover shooting mechanics in l.a noir aren't super great and i could kind of hope they'd revive that a little bit but they did not so uh oh, that that's that's a shame. so yeah that was too bad but eh, what can you do it's still it, it's perfectly fine i always kind of wondered if it was 
that the way the game was developed by the original developer, if there wasn't intended to be action, if it was all going to be sort of detective work and then Rockstar added action and it kind of didn't Mm -hmm. fit with it. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's entirely conjecture. So it's going to be action though. Just to, yeah, be like, uh, just to play into the kind of like the, the you know the the old school kind of noir like setting right of the kind of like you know oh my god was, of course uh, of course yeah. I, just always, I just always felt it was not quite as well implemented as could have been um and i was hoping they would have changed it but it, it doesn't matter it, it works fine for what it is and like aiming with the joy con is fun if you like that um it's better for uh like when you're picking up evidence you can kind of manipulate it in your hand instead of oh, that's, uh, great. that's actually which is a good idea that it, and then they use the rumble so that if there is something that you should be looking at, it kind of guides you towards it with the rumble, which is cool. The rumble also, like, you know, the, they've added a little effects for that for, like, when you turn a car key, it run, the car rumbles a That's little me. bit. Kick it I love when they thing, do stuff is, like that with the HD yeah, rumble. It's my favorite sure. part of that thing. Mm-hmm. For sure. So that stuff worked well. Um, I found what actually worked best of all was the um, the touch screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it for particularly when you're when you're looking at times uh, the uh, investigating uh, crime scenes, it is basically like an old fashioned point and click adventure game. But it had to be done with the controller before. Now it is actually quite useful to be able to just sort of like poke at this severed arm over here. I want to look at that severed arm as opposed to walking over. <laughs> that actually worked for You don't want to look at the other severed arm. It's that <laughs> specific exactly. severed arm. Exactly, exactly. So I found that that actually quite worked. Also, like, you know, when you're going through your notepad, you can flip through it. Um, it has a nice sort of pinch zoom in um, when you're examining the crime screen that worked well. I actually, the, the touchscreen stuff actually worked quite well. I mean, of course you can play it without that. That's what the game was designed for. But it worked just slightly better than a gimmick. And and then more than anything else, um, the fact that the game like looks as good as it does on that touchscreen and you can play the entire full game on the go as a portable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, I was gonna say, like, how does it work? Like would would you would you wanna take this on the bus and kind of like sink some time into it? Oh, for sure. I mean, like, obviously if you're doing more of the heavy like long missions like it you know being on the bus you might not have enough time but for the little like driving around small ones it actually worked quite well and i said the touchscreen worked well it would be great for a trip i suppose if we're going to break it down that way but um it is just like more than anything else it's just really impressive to be able to play a game that full Mm. that like even though it's dated with the sort of remastering they've done looks that good um just really speaks to how um, how good this of a system the switch is yeah. and um, I uh, yeah no I, I really enjoyed it um, I yeah if uh, yeah I, I think um, you know if you played if you have any interest in replaying Alain Noir this is definitely the way to go I like I said I, I wasn't I didn't I only played the switch version I, I can't speak to if the other versions are like so much more beautiful that oh my god you have to do that certainly I found all the little additions they did with motion controls and as particularly the touch controls worked really well and uh, also just because it was a game that kind of underperformed um mm-hmm. it, if you haven't played it before um I, I highly that this would be the way to pick it up and it's a really cool uh look at what the switch can do even though it's an older game and uh i i hope that rockstar continues doing stuff with nintendo it's weird that that's even a relationship that exists at all yeah um and uh i it's it i think this was a really smart choice for their first uh collaboration together because a, it's not as insanely graphic as the other ones, mm-hmm. and B, it uh, it actually did the like crime scene investigation mechanics actually suited the uh, the little switch bells and whistles they added to it rather well. So uh, I, I think it worked really well. Um, it is of course worth noting 
that the game file, if you were to fully download it, is uh, too large. 64 gigs. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's huge. And then the, the cartridge version requires a 19 gig download. 14. It's not 64. I, I, believe it was 20, okay. I believe it was 27. Okay. Yeah, which is still a lot. So, it's still more than the so, system. So that memory stick you bought uh, in fear of Mario yeah. worked well. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, a little like, inside, uh, little in- inside information there. We'll tell the story because it's kind of funny. Which was uh, Brendan one day. Exp- I-, I had no idea about how limited the memory was on the Switch, and Brendan explained, "Yeah, by the way, like there's no way you're going to fit Mario on there." And I was like, "What?" And so I like <laughs> the day that we got the code, I ran out to buy a memory card uh, before I downloaded. Got back and downloaded. It was five gigs. It was like no problem at all. <laughs> but fortunately. Came in, it came in handy for LNR, so I didn't have to worry about it this time. So, hey, nice. you know, all good things for those that wait, right? Yeah. Nice. yeah. I, had to, I had to do the same with Skyrim, and it just, like, it was, you know, it was, like, it gave me the whole, like, you need to clear some space on your on your hard drive. And I looked through my hard drive, and, like, every game I have on the Switch is, like, two gigs. So it's like, I'm going <laughs> yeah, yeah. to wipe my entire library just to fit this game on my on yeah. the Switch. It's pointless. Yeah. Exactly. I was really hoping that, at the very least, they might change up the structure of L.A. Noir because I always felt like the game kicks off pretty well with um, what is it with uh, with uh, like the the traffic stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And then and then it goes straight into into homicide. And I always felt that the game kind of like really like teetered off after that because then you do vice and then it's arson. I always mm-hmm. felt like it should have it should have started at least with with like traffic, then arson, then vice and ended on homicide because that's the most interesting you know yeah. way to end it. But yeah, it is. It does kind of like basically treat traffic as like training, and then after that, it opens up everything. And in fact, with this, because all the DCs, DLCs in there, that becomes available to you too very early. Oh, cool. so oh, that's really cool. It is pretty well like once you are once you get through traffic, uh, the world's your oyster. You oh, can, cool. You can. You can yeah, so, that so was at least cool. at least you have choice now because before it was like you, they just railroaded you into it. Was like chapter two homicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of like yeah. It get you. You still have to work your way. Yeah, it's not. Sorry, it doesn't go directly after. Uh, directly after traffic, you do have to work your way up a little bit. But like once you do, then like all that stuff becomes open to it. Okay. Which is cool. So you can you can stop those uh, reefer madness hopheads right away if you need to. Nice. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> those damn joint fiends. Yeah. Oh, those God, long-haired hooligans. The worst. <laughs> anyway, all right, guys. Uh, I think that's a good time to wrap up. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And if you like what you hear or you want to know more about the things we talked about, you can visit us at cgmagonline.com. You can like and subscribe our, to our podcast uh, on the Buttons Podcast Network on iTunes or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can follow us at Facebook at CG Magazine, on Instagram at CG Mag Online, and on Twitter at CG Mag Online. Do you guys all have your Twitters? Yes, okay. I, I do. Yeah. All right. What's your yes, Twitter, guys? Yes. Plug your Twitters. What What do you want to plug? All right. Yeah. Sure. I'm at that Phil Brown, and I'm at Ninja Jordan underscore at B Fry twenty six, and I'm at Lisa Awesome. Uh, you can catch Noise. Noise. Thanks, Brendan. Looking out for my Twitter followers. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you can catch past <laughs> what? Okay. Nothing. I just I chuckled. Not allowed to chuckle. No. You oh, I'm hush. I'm doing my. I'm doing re- my outro. I retract my previous chuckle. Okay, good, good. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you 
You can catch past episodes of Pixels and Ink on YouTube. So like and subscribe to our channel. Thanks again to Buns Podcast Network and Comic Bento for sponsoring our podcast and from everyone here at CG Magazine. Have a great weekend. Bye.